Hi everyone, welcome back to Chat Shit Get Fit. This week we tackle a listener request. So Tony drops a DM regarding the coaching of the hang snatch versus the full snatch and mentioned two coaches in Richard Hill, better known as Tricky Ricky, and Sonny Webster, the Olympian more infamously known for his ban for alleged doping. It's a jam-packed episode full of great takeaways. So as well as tackling this request, we look at the applications of the snatch and its use in both CrossFit and Olympic weightlifting and even other sports, as well as taking a little bit of a closer look at the power snatch as well. Well, and we basically discuss whether that it's needed or not. And we do finish by giving our top tips for the snatch. Before we get into this week's episode, I just want to let you know that Train Primal, our fitness community offering coaching and programming, has just released some brand new essential training tees. These are unisex and 100% ring spun combed cotton that is both organic and vegan approved. These are really soft and will promise great comfort and functionality in and out of the gym. So if you head over to our website, trainprimal.co slash shop, it'll also be linked down below in the show notes, you'll be able to grab one of these tees in either black or white. And as a podcast listener, you can use our discount code CSGF10 for 10% off your order. So that's C for Charlie, S for Sierra, G for Golf, and F for Foxtrot, and then 10 in numericals for 10% off your order. You'll also get to see some lovely modeling by myself. So yeah, trainprimal.co slash shop and use code CSGF10 to grab yours now. Right, time for some snatch. Let's get into this week's episode. Hello Tom and hello Dean. Good evening everyone. Hello Tom and hello Bill. How are you? Oh, I like it, I like it. I'm good. I, I, I am hot. I am you roasting. Hot. That's quite a, quite a thing to say about yourself Tom. Yeah. It, I, Very I, arrogant. Oh not in that way. I, I mean, am what, hot. <laughs> my, my bollocks are you know infused <laughs> with the chair. It is like, it is like, like if you fry your eggs in a pan and you forgot to fucking put oil in it and it's like you have to spatula them <laughs> off which is why I've got this. This is this is my ball spatula. Oh, this my, is to peel myself man. off. How big are your balls? How big are your balls? <laughs> <laughs> now we're talking. So, <laughs> 30 seconds in and he's already bought out a spatula. <laughs> Um, I'm sorry, too, did hoping to, to be fair, serious Tom, though, conversation. To be fair to Tom, I kind of resonate with where he's coming from here because mm. I've got a leather chair. And Ooh. over the past yeah, three sticky. days, if my fan wasn't facing me, there were some serious sticking issues between the back of the leg and the chair. And it was like... Just yeah. the back of the leg? It, many more places. Yeah. Many more places. <laughs> it, it's just, yeah, it's not happening. It's not happening. It's sticky. Yeah, and the thing is, like, where where this heat does make things elongate more. You, I mean, if you like me, when you sit down, do you, are you gentle when you when you boys sit down? Are you gentle when you sit down? Or are you like me? Are you a flopper? I flop down, and that moment where things are elongated, I'm in that danger zone where I risk sitting on myself. It depends on what I'm sitting on too. If it's the if it's a toilet seat, it's done with care and attention. <laughs> If it's couch, like it. it's, exactly. I've had op- I've had moments in the past where I've sat in a toilet seat, and you know what I'm on about. It's an older toilet yeah. seat. The plugs at the back, the metal pins haven't been in properly, and you fall arse over tit, literally. <laughs> so always caution on a toilet seat, on a couch, and on this chair. I'm with you. I'm a flopper, straight in. I mean, speaking of your chair, I have noticed your chair in the past, and it is a nice chair. That's always popular. It's like the Starship Enterprise, ain't it? It is like 
I like that chair. I do game like that chair, thing. Game of chairs are comfortable chairs, but I'm not a gamer by any stretch of imagination. In fact, I think I own a PS2. I don't know. I think that's that how cool. bad it is. At this, at this point, people are probably, probably thinking, what the fuck have I tuned into? I thought they were going to be chatting about Snatch. And we are going to be chatting about Snatch, but we'll come on to what sort of Snatch we're talking about because the way this episode's gone, it's... Um, yeah. yeah, what a name for a title. We did have a bit of a giggle about that, didn't we, in the old WhatsApp? Yeah. Uh, so we've we've got Dean back again, uh, simply because he's been in the weightlifting space for a very long time, much more than, than myself. And I mean, Tom's not in the weightlifting space at all. Um, this is getting fucking progressively worse now, and I'm not going to take it any longer, okay? <laughs> I actually, I sent you a picture of me deadlifting 60 kilos. No, sorry, I took a picture of a 60 kilo you know, loaded bar. I didn't actually send you a picture of me lifting it, but you've got to have faith. I did lift it. But did you lift it in a weightlifting fashion? In a weight. Did you clean it? I, I, I managed to get it, it onto the bottom J hook in a rack. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I managed to get it in a rack. I'm trying to picture the motion that Tom went through to get it onto oh, the Oh, foot on shrimp, oh. prawn back, you know. I mean, heaven oh. forbid, should you have a arched spine. Oh, oh yeah. Well, as you can I'm see, my spine is on. behind me. I she oh. released the <laughs> it couch. Out, it? it came out. <laughs> There's a pretty small <laughs> spine as well. <laughs> so I've lost my balls today and I've lost my spine. <laughs> Fuck's sake, where, where's this going to go? But yeah, Dina, welcome back again. This is probably, I don't know, the, the fifth or sixth time. It's, uh, I've genuinely lost count, but I suppose that's a good it's thing. It's great. It is a good thing. We're having a good time. It's uh, always good when you come on. And this is an episode I think your uh, your knowledge is going to be um, very much useful. So this is this episode is basically a listener request. Someone uh, someone called uh, called Tony drops a message in asking something very specific about the snatch we were coming to, but we're going to sort of bulk this episode out a little bit more and go into a bit more depth about the snatch, different variations, what we think of it, um, and so on. So basically, the actual request was in regards to teaching the hang snatch versus just the full snatch, uh, and they also went into a little bit of detail at two individuals, which we're going to come on to as well. Um, but I think before we get into that bit, we need to probably establish what the snatch is. I think I'll summarise it, uh, which I actually wrote down my notes here, is a technical beast that requires a wide range of things, which I think is it's just fair to say. It certainly is a technical beast. What would you say, Dean? It is 100% a technical beast. And mm. if people if people maybe had a little bit more <laughs> understanding of all of the technicalities, um, I think they would probably pay it a little bit more respect than what, many people think of it being it's it's something that people find sexy in many gyms but mm. yeah the snatch is I mean, really it looks good doesn't it it's a really technical lift it looks great it's one rapid power based movement from yeah. the floor straight overhead um and there's a hip contact in the middle um um between finish it in a ridiculous a ridiculous mobile position of an overhead squat <laughs> and it does look really attractive it's a really attractive lift but should everybody be doing it? It depends. It depends on how it's taught, doesn't it? So, yeah. So, what, what I wanted to know a bit more detail is, so what are our thoughts on sort of the snatch outside of a weightlifting slash CrossFit world? Is there a, is there a place where it's being incorporated into a, a normal training routine for anybody? Or I suppose it would depend, first of all, on the context of the athlete and the person mm-hmm. that you're talking about. So, let's probably dissect the fact that snatch... Since CrossFit's inception, back in what two thousand and six, seven, it started to come about a little bit more, became popular. Yeah, I think. Yeah, about that. Yeah. So what that what that movement alone has done for Olympic weightlifting has 
has been incredible because it's allowed people to explore the derivatives and patterns of movement that come with weightlifting, gymnastics, um, monostructural conditioning, uh, agility, speed, like loads of different components of fitness. Weightlifting being quite a large proponent of that, it has allowed people to branch into Olympic weightlifting and mm-hmm. maybe pursue that sport that they didn't realize they realized they had the potential to go into. So I think snatch as a whole, as a movement, it, it does have a place outside of Olympic weightlifting, but it would depend entirely on what we're trying to use it for. Now, if I'm looking at somebody in gen pop and they are somebody who's going to a CrossFit box, the snatch would be one of the last things that... Oh, my goodness. Hello. My sincerest apologies. I'm back in. Back in. So, let's go back. Oh, sorry, what's the funny then? (laughs) Oh, my goodness. He's, He's persistent. I mean... All I want to know is, is, is it an unknown number? FaceTime the wife. Just wait. I'm going to put her on FaceTime. There we go. I love this. Right? Just just wait. <laughs> so this is the irritating thing about mobile phones. <laughs> Someone calls you. Don't ask. You try and respond to that call, and all of a sudden, the phone no longer exists. <laughs> How? Explain. Phone the wife on speaker. It's getting serious. I hope oh. you cut all this shit out. Definitely Thanks for a good blooper. Yeah, I thought so, yeah. I'm not YouTube really happy about being on the podcast. Okay, I give up. I carry on. Right, so. <laughs> I can't wait for the phone to ring again in a sec. It's literally going to happen in two seconds, and I'm literally just going to f- message her now and say, on a podcast, speak to <laughs> It's always some. This is such a this is such a missus thing to happen where you know they phone you, you don't then you try and phone them back and it's like, no, you had your chance. Yeah. <laughs> You're in the doghouse. It's fine. Yeah. Yeah. D- 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 what, what, what was it? Don't don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. I will keep an eye on it. She has. She's travelled up to Birmingham this evening because my. Oh kids God, are is she okay? She's got a cheerleading <laughs> comp or dance competition. So. I'm sure it's probably just something to see if she's all right. So, yeah, going back to it. So, with general population, and we talk about the snatch as a proponent that is taught within a CrossFit box. Let's just use that as an example. Yes, it has a place there. If you are taking somebody who has the aspiration to potentially go and compete within a CrossFit competition, because within a CrossFit competition, one of the components of competitive functional fitness is snatch work. Taking a barbell from the ground to overhead in one rapid movement. Like we see that quite a lot. Hmm. Do we use it for somebody who is just starting out their journey within CrossFit and give them a barbell and try and get them to snatch with it? My answer is probably not in the early stages. For me, if you've taken somebody, and this is where it does generally, in my opinion, it does tend to go wrong, is that people take this really highly technical lift with somebody who has maybe done a weekend course and they try and teach something so incredibly technical and difficult 
that's taken people years to master. And even the best coaches in the world, the best coaches in the UK, and we can list off loads of them. Some of the biggest mentors that I've been involved with or had the pleasure of even speaking to, the likes of Cyril Martin, Chris Williams, who's just who was serving in the yeah. BT Corps, has left. Big, big mentor of mine. Um, the coaches in the t- in the British Army weightlifting team as we speak. The likes of Gary Jackson, um, the likes of Tom Hunt. You've got all these other incredible coaches in there as well that are doing Craig Spicer. So some of these people that are really quite good within the weightlifting community, very good coach in the weightlifting community, they're still continually trying to improve their knowledge of the lift. And they take so much time and care and attention, as do a lot many other British weightlifting coaches that are weightlifting coaches qualified, credited. They take time breaking down the lift. They really do. And I just I just don't feel that it has a place where somebody only has maybe a two-day qualification and they're not fully invested into what the movement is. So going back to your question, should it be involved in outside of Olympic weightlifting? Yes, where it's where it's required for individuals. Here we go, we're in. Darling, I am on a podcast live with Bill and Tom. Love it. You all right, how's it going? My daughters want to say goodnight. So can we just bear... Hello, sweetheart. How are you? Hi. Did you get okay? Did you get to Birmingham okay? Yeah, it took us over three hours. Oh, God. Right. I'm going to have to be really quick because I am on a podcast. I love you both. <laughs> I want you to phone me in the morning when you get up, okay? Yeah. All right. Um, I'll wake up mum to tell her that we're... You wake up mum and tell her. You, <laughs> you have a lovely sleepover with your with mummy and your friend and with Chloe and Lou, okay? Okay. Okay. Love it. Right. Night. Night. <laughs> right. I'll speak to you later on. I'll give you a call in a bit. All right. Love you. Love you. Bye bye. Bye bye. Too cute. Right. That is the that sweetest thing I've heard. Yeah. In the- <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's so exciting. <laughs> Bleh. Do you want to just go back to the start and redo all this? No, no, mate. That is staying in the podcast. No. Um, okay. <laughs> <laughs> it makes you seem human. I am. I'm not, mate. This is normal. This is the life. It's like what? What if the recruits? This is like the post I put up the other day about what if the, what what if the recruits? You know, see, see you being human. <laughs> if if ever, like if they saw me before the state of this podcast, you saw me. The hair was everywhere. I had a dirty t-shirt on. I was a mess. I was like, let me just go and sort myself out. So but, I'm more <laughs> we, we made Dean Dean do a reshow. <laughs> <laughs> reshow, yeah. Show parade. Show parade. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, in answer to your question, in a long roundabout way, uh, the snatch—if if, it's—if it's for developing athletes, there are other movements I think we should use to improve athletic performance, mm. such as the clean derivatives, etc. We can utilize other movements. When you talk about athletes that I'm, I'm sure we'll come on to that. When you talk about athletes that have their sole earnings in the sport or they're committed and it has financial repercussions, why would I give them something like the snatch, which takes such a long time to learn? Mm. If they have the capacity, then maybe, maybe. But it takes such a long time to learn and it's so technical, I would be I'd be putting them out of potentially out of business in their sport if I'm injuring them. And that's just not a risk I'm willing to take when the clean can be such a safer base movement. So with Gen Pop in a box, if I'm talking to somebody and they're 
you know, 45, 50 year olds, they're, you know, that they're in that age. Is there a need for them to do that? If they want to do it, then okay. Like, and it's done correctly. It's coached correctly. Then yeah. All right. But go ahead. Be my guest. Like we're not the snatch police, but in the same breath, <laughs> the, is the juice worth the squeeze? That's what I'm saying. Yeah. No, I get, I get you. I mean, if, even myself, I've been doing, well, I've done snatch probably for a few years now since I first started. And even now, There'll be days where I'm just like, this is why is it so hard? Like, it's just, it's just, it's still a hard. Like you still have to constantly think about it every time you lift. It's like it's not something you can just go into like a deadlift. You could just sort of go in and just lift it and be like, okay, cool. The snatch is starting. You, you have to spend like loads thinking. What? How? Where's my hand position in there? You know, what? How's my setup? It's, 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 it's like a different, any, even after years. It's like with anything. A lot of a lot of people go into learning the weightlifting derivatives within mm. CrossFit and they learn it. Try to learn it through barbell cycling. And mm-hmm. Olympic okay. Olympic lifting is not that. There has to be intent and purpose behind every single repetition. And I've got to say it because it is what needs to be said, but you have to earn the right to be able to then barbell cycle a load. If you can't control a if you can't control a clean into another complex, into a hand clean, into a into a jerk, into a front into a front squat and then a jerk, whatever it might be, whatever the complex is. If you can't control those things, then you shouldn't be doing them. You need to earn those positions. You need to understand all the fundamentals behind it. Mm. It's what we teach no different than what we teach within the weightlifting workshops. We start for in a very methodical way. We get people to understand, and people hate the PVC pipe at the end. You ask the guys that came to the Sapper Warrior um, fitness work, or Sapper Warrior, the Sapper Warrior fitness team, the workshop we ran last year, they hated me and Big Joe because we had PVC pipes out for about three hours and people were in clips, shoulders burning. And like, this is this is the technical proficiency. This is the understanding. This is the time in the trenches, hmm. really understanding what the path of the bar is, how it moves. Do you know what I mean? So I, I think I just want to highlight a difference here because obviously we we slag off about the whole PVC pipe thing on the podcast. But I think the difference with this is what we're talking about is when we look at things like a squat or a deadlift, they're nowhere near as technical as the movements that Dean's just mentioned there. Like yeah. there's there's a lot of different aspects to it where you have to obviously a, a squat bar goes in the back, you just go down and up. Really, I mean, there's a few little technical things with it. But if you're doing like a clean, for example, there's so much different. I mean, you obviously end end up in a squat position in a front squat position, but then that's only one part of it. There's all these other different areas, so it's it's a lot more complex. This isn't saying that you've got to use a PVC pipe and a, and a dowel, a wooden yeah. dowel. That's there's a barrier to entry there. The, the, it's not the load that's the load management is an issue. You're right, but we're not using the PVC pipe and the bar because we're worried about the load. We're using it to try and rehearse positions, rehearse yeah. patterns, understand movement mechanics. When you're teaching the squat, when you're any squat derivative, when you're teaching a deadlift, a bench press. Yeah. You can afford you, the, the risk of injury is minimized so much, the, the, yeah. far less, far less. So you don't have to be that person that uses a PVC pipe and a wooden dowel yeah. through fear of injuring somebody. It's yeah. just not going to happen. If you throw 100 kilos on somebody's back and they've never squatted before, okay, you're probably being a bit fucking stupid. It's like with things like the snap. Uh, so not snatched with the bench press, the deadlift, even the overhead press, you know, barbell back squat, even a front squat. These tend to be more slow controlled movements as well. And uh, nowhere near as technical as something like a snatch. Either. With a snatch, there's a lot of moving parts. Explosive as well. Yeah. It is explosive. It's not as controlled and 
Do you know what I mean? Like it's it's a lot more of a it's a rapid movement. And there's a lot of moving parts. So no, I say it's completely justifiable to say that, you know, compared to the other bread and butter compound movements, that this requires a little bit more caution. I, I don't think you're putting a barrier there at all. You know, I just think you're being a bit more sensible about it. And it's building a bit more confidence and getting people to do these complex movements, you know, and just na- not even, you're not even saying you're nailing it down, but just getting used to it. Well, to be fair, Tom, as well, that the technique absolutely matters in a lift like yeah. a natural If you If your technique's off, it, re- it definitely re- it removes the ability to lift up as, that bigger as, load. As you kind of said earlier, because- like it's, it's a powerful bloody movement. Mm. It is a powerful movement. It's not like yeah, a, a squat or a bench press, overhead press, barbell row, whatever, where the movement is under control, etc. And the worst thing that's going to happen is that you're just going to let the bar roll off your back or just do a plate dump or whatever with some like a snatch it's a little bit more margin for error you know well did you said you said you sent me some right cracker videos you have of the snatch like people failing snatch yeah i have actually they, yeah. they are dramatic aren't they <laughs> they are dramatic god yeah, yeah. Mm. uh i think something you said earlier as well dean which i wish i like because it kind of cements what we've spoken about many times especially when we talk about things like crossfit etc is that I don't know how I feel having people teach these movements after just doing like a weekend course, you know. Yeah, I don't think it's enough. In the same breath, though, there there are, I've met some incredible coaches that have only done that weekend course and they've done their level one in weightlifting, for example. But it... it but was they doing it before that as well, Joe? It's ex- and this is what I'm saying. Yeah. If, you are, if you are somebody who is quite new to that aspect of training if you've trained yourself and it's been predominantly machines and free weight work coming into the crossfit scene doing it for 12 months to 18 months whatever then going to do a course in your crossfit level one and then doing that then it it, it, that that one year experience it, it just doesn't necessarily give you enough to then start teaching the lift i just think there needs to be maybe a not a not a, it's definitely not a lower let me rephrase this it's not a higher barrier to start doing the snatch but there should be a higher barrier for people to start teaching those lifts. yeah like yeah and i'm honestly give this as an example so i've been involved in weightlifting since well weightlifting wise for since 2014 15 give or take in around that era um got taught by a guy called ed holstead um Really knowledgeable guy from up north. Um, clicked really well. He took us through like a combined week-long course. It was brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. And then started playing around with it a little bit. And I was gotten, I got involved in the sport because of the CrossFit background. Having come from a bodybuilding background and strength and powerlifting background, I was interested in, the, in kind of manoeuvring myself into this more athletic-based sport. But having done track and field as well for a long time, athletics was my thing. So I had this power and speed and, and, and this coordination kind of ingrained, but it still takes a really long time to build up. And even to this day, if we're in a workshop scenario and we're on a competition, let's say we're in a competition platform, for example, and I'm stood next to some of the amazing coaches from the British Army weightlifting team, I would much rather sit back and probably just be confident knowing that them coaches are far more experienced than I. So there, and I might, but I might spot something with a lifter and go, do you mind if I just go and jump in there? I know that's your athlete, but do you mind if I just give them a quick cue? 
And that might, that's absolutely fine. So even later on down the stage, when you are experienced in weightlifting, there are still other people out there that you can learn from. Cyril Martin has been involved in weightlifting for over 60, 70 years. The guy is a weightlifting legend, absolute legend, owns Atlas. Um, he coaches, he's just, he's coached Sarah Davis, now just gone to the Olympics. Had the pleasure of meeting her, an incredible, incredible athlete. Like, amazing. And he's kind of like the godfather of weightlifting. It would make sense to go to somebody like that to really understand all of the nuances and the intricate details that come from weightlifting. And if you haven't bought the book, I'll plug that right now. Go and get it. Go and get it. And it's more so because of somebody who's in a CrossFit setting. You need to go and learn from people like this. And I'm not saying that level two, level three CrossFit coaches or the CrossFit staff don't know what they're doing. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is that if you are trying to specialize or really develop as a coach, go and find somebody that is niche down in that particular field. If I want to learn about gymnastics, I'm going to go and work with a gymnastics coach. Well, of course, like if you look at the, the probably the most famous one in CrossFit is that uh, Chris Hinshaw, aerobic capacity. They all go to him because of his special speciality in aerobic capacity, in swimming, cycling, and running for his triathlon background. He does he doesn't do CrossFit. <laughs> the guys, the guys, the guy does a, the odd and on on and off CrossFit, but he is all out and out, mm. all out and out about the endurance component of yeah. functional competitive functional fitness, mm. and it's the same sort of thing. If you want to learn. And this is what I'm saying. I'm, I'm not suggesting, obviously, because there's barriers with finances and everything mm. else is between us. But I don't know. There just has to be a little bit more. The snatch and clean and jerk is such a technical move. Yeah, yeah it's, it's not easy. It's not easy. <laughs> I mean, and again, it, you can't. there's no absolute is there either. You've got to see it from both sides. Because mm. what it has done, these level two coaches, it's great because it's a low barrier for a coaching qualification to come into the CrossFit setting and build this amazing community with people that love just lifting stuff and throwing stuff around. It gives them a great vibe. And if they're doing it safely, who are we to say anything? That's it. Yeah. And I think that is the right mindset to have. Okay, guys, we move on to the sort of request now. Uh, it was a little bit more. So this basically... They mentioned to me a guy called Tricky Ricky and Sonny Webster. Now, Tricky Tricky Ricky is basically a coach, athlete, veteran. That's what he's got in his little Instagram bio. Uh, he owns Gritstone CrossFit, so that'll basically kind of indicate his training style and sort of where his background is. Um, and then we've got Sonny Webster, who is an Olympic weightlifter. Uh, he competed at the 2016 Olympic Games, but he's probably more infamously known for his ban from the sport for doping, which he still strongly... Um, says he didn't do any go he's got his little story gets his little violin out and goes i spent all my life savings trying to prove that i you know it was all wrong it was all false but yeah i'm not sure if i believe that um and he's also known as well for being part of tom's favorite little click of the um which we're not allowed to name i'm not allowed to name anymore <laughs> let's not fucking go off. down that route i'm not getting sued. the last few episodes I've, I've been told off for naming certain individuals but no, joe i feel like i have to clarify here um because i have actually had someone ask me my thoughts on Sonny Webster before and the thing is look at the end of the day he is an Olympian can't take that away from him you know drugs are not you know he's an Olympian fair play you know he's good at his sport um but the thing is like now you 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 could be a great athlete but not necessarily be a great coach or actually have the correct information of what's going off the current evidence at the time 
So you know, I'm just, I'm just going to repeat what I told that one person ages ago, and that is, look, my main issue with him, once again, he's an athlete, Olympian, not taking that away from him at all. I can't even if I wanted to try. <laughs> but I mean, he's very biomechanical, reductionist. You know, once again, he's one of those people where you have to use this technique or you're going to get injured, etc. If you flex your spine during a lift, you're going to get injured, which is ironic because I've actually seen him doing Jefferson curls, so a bit of cognitive dissonance there. Um, but yeah, just look, as as an athlete, yeah, fair enough to him. Um, I'll be honest with you, in regards to his information on things like pain injury and its relation to technique, Sonny Webster, look. I'm sorry, I know, I know that's going to upset people, but that's it and I'm happy to move on from here. I see it from both parts. I think... I'm no, we're nobody at the end of the day to, to to even suggest what he does in terms of his coaching capacity. The guy's been involved in the Olympic sport for 15, 20 years. Um, that's that's a lot of time on a platform. That's a lot of time. If you can imagine dedicating your life to that length of time in a sport, um, we're not we're not involved in the doping scandal that's happened with Sonny Webster. We weren't there. We don't know the details. We can only speculate and that's it. Whatever's happened, that's his. That that's obviously down to him. Him proving his innocence, um, whether that comes to fruition or not, is completely you know, up to him how much he takes that and where he takes it. Uh, and I think he's going to probably keep fighting until two for now so that he maybe is under... Maybe it, it is... What's the word here? Um, not seen as somebody who got kicked out of the Olympics for blood doping. Mm, yeah. You know, if it, and this is the side of the fence that we've got to be, you know, we've got to be cautious of because I stand by some type of language where if you've cheated, you're a cheat, you know, and but at the end of the day, we don't know the ins and outs of Sonny Webster. So we can't even speculate on that. We literally cannot speculate. That's all we can do is speculate. So we shouldn't. But as a coach, I'm nobody to comment. I'm absolutely nobody to comment. How Sonny Webster has made weightlifting accessible, a sport that I love, has made weightlifting accessible to thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of people across the country. And that's a good thing. He's made, whether it's reductionist language, that narrative, could could it be misunderstood? Perhaps, who knows? Maybe it's more of an efficiency timepiece. Or maybe it's because that's the language that he's been coached with for so many years. Maybe. So I'm not going to stand here or sit here and say anything about Sonny in any way, shape or form. But maybe challenge some of the narratives that I use. Because yes, I agree that there are lifters. In weightlifting, it is not necess- it, it's a We have to create this intra-abdominal pressure. In order to create this intra-abdominal pressure... Atypically, the spine is normally in some form of neutral position. Normally. It may be, in some cases with some athletes, slightly hyperextended to a degree, which is fine. That's not a problem. But it's about going through this process and training your body to do that. And I think that's where he's coming from. I think what Sonny is trying to do is he's trying to coach athletes in a way that is the most efficient for weightlifting. I think the reductionist narrative needs to be left to the wayside and saying that you're going to get injured if you don't straighten your back. Potentially, potentially that could happen. It may happen. It may be a resulting thing that if you catch a clean 
in a super, super lordotic position. Wait, kyphotic. Kyphot- no, yeah, kyphotic. In in a really rounded position, I can't even get my words out. So in a if you catch if you catch that clean in the bottom of a hole in a really round position, and you're not ready to accept that load as you progress up and earn the right to move there, there could be repercussions to that. So I understand that concept. I wouldn't say that he's done good things for the sport in the UK because he's brought so many people into Olympic weightlifting and made it so accessible with his social media presence, with his eBooks with his six week and eight week courses, I've never been coached by him. So I cannot say that he is a good or bad coach because that's not for me to say the results he's got, he's getting results. So it's one of those it's on the fence. I mean, if I was to give an actual example of where I was coming from with this, I mean, this is a post as early as 18th of April and it says harsh reality check. You have pain in your shoulders, wrists, knees, back because you're lifting with bad technique. Fix the cause of the problem, not the problem. But we know that there's such a thing as the biopsychosocial model. We can't necessarily say that it is down to technique. So it's all very well him saying harsh reality check, but the problem is pain is complicated. So basically, I think he's trying to sell. I think he's trying to. Sell, I think he's using it as a selling technique more if, than anything. If well, if this is the harsh reality, and this is pain science. And we actually look at what the evidence says, you'll actually see that it's gone. His narrative is gone. It's full of shit. <laughs> oh, that was a budget chip. Oh, listen, oh, listeners won't have a clue we just did, but we're going to No, they won't have YouTube. a clue we did, but you've got to put it on YouTube. Do you know I did that in a nightclub once? Didn't go down well, did it? From a different standpoint, so sit on the fence here and say that people who practice poor technique with weightlifting do come up against barriers through movement with wrists, shoulders, and elbows. They 100% do. And the, the reason for that is because it's not about biomechanical perfectionism because that shouldn't exist. It shouldn't exist. But in the same breath, I'm still on this pattern and mindset that because it is such a technical sport, we've got to be biomechanically efficient. We've got to be efficient. And what he's referring to here is maybe... If you're catching the bar in a front rack position and you're not maybe allowing the wrist to go through flexion when you're in that rack position because you're such in this position, because you're so locked up and you're worried and concerned that you can't flex the wrist, you're not going to flex your wrist and it's landing on the palm each time and it's not being loaded properly through the skeletal muscular system. It's being loaded through you just holding it like hell. It's just the muscular system. I kind of get to, um, I kind of see it from his part in the sense that this will, if you are continuously doing this, this eventually will lead to some some issues later on down the line. It's the same with an overhead jerk position. Same with an overhead jerk position. It's why we come across so many people new into the sport, or not new within the first couple of years, with tendinopathy problems in the shoulder and in the elbow joint. Because maybe there's been a missing loop between them learning the fundamentals with bar path, PVCs, dowels, etc., and then trying to go for the RM. They've missed this process in the middle of building. We know the continuum, strength, speed, and power. Maybe they just missed that continuum of strength. And so I, I understand that. They've loaded, they've loaded too quickly without yeah. being able to, basically. So in yeah. the same breath, to make this an interesting topic, I kind of agree with... I kind of agree with it to a sense. I just don't agree with the narrative. That's what I, that's what I will say. And this is why I'm saying, Tom, I'm on your side with this. 
but I'm also on sunny side because if you are continuously practicing these patterns and you're not really, and you're missing, I'm talking about intricate details here, nuances, yeah? The small nuances of allowing the rack to sit in that clavicular groove across the delts and where that cl- uh, the, cl- uh, the clavicle sits and the top of the chest. If it's not sat there and you're in this raunch position and then you're jerking and you're not prepared for the jerk, there could be loads of other things that come and complications that come down the line. Do you know what I mean? But saying saying this reductionist, I agree. I agree that we maybe need to change the narrative. But remember, we're in a social media age where capturing somebody's yeah. uh, capturing somebody's um, um, what's the word I'm looking attention. for? Attention. Attention. Yeah. Capturing yeah. somebody's attention if he's going bang. Yeah. Of course. This could be caught. But that's it's it, yes, it might be clickbaity to a degree, but that's... He's trying to sell a course the other day, not It's a sales pitch that allows him to bring people in and go through his coaching pathway. And this is what I'm saying. Maybe from my point, it's unfair for me to say whether that's right or wrong because that one clickbait post might draw people in and then he might take them through this really educational platform about what it is to do, what weightlifting is about when you do it well. You know, so... I mean... If you look at his content, he is, that is his style. He's very like very flamboyant. He'll always do like mad lift. He'll do like a complex where he's like throwing. He'll catch it with one hand or something, or it, and then he'll obviously do posts like that. That's that's his style, and that's that's what he's about. So that's so maybe that draconian narrative could, and I get it, I get it, but I really it will take so much in this industry to change this draconian language because it's it's rife. It's with everybody because there are people just go down the absolutes without actually contextualizing things. So I get that. And but I do want to say that, do that was a fair point you made. That was yeah, a fair and, point and you yeah, made. It so just there is a nuance to it. It ju- and exactly yeah. it just adds another. It adds another thing to the layer. So, but then I'll come back to it. You know, this guy is a. He's a. He's obviously in a six-figure business, probably if not more. He runs a huge franchise. He's got his massive. Well, I don't even know if it's a franchise, but he's got a huge weightlifting community. This guy's busy. If he's chucking a quick video out with some text and maybe some people are reading into it too much, maybe it's the, his duty and his responsibility having that following to say the right narrative. But equally, it's our responsibility and, and coach other coaches and maybe other athletes to go, can I just ask, do you think maybe, do you think technique will cause injuries? Because maybe someone, Quite a few people did in the comments. Right, okay. <laughs> but I've not seen the post, so I can't comment. I can't comment. He, We don't know him. None of us have been coached by him. Um, you can only speculate on what we see on social media. And social media, like I said in a post the other day, is just a highlight reel of shit that people think they want to see. That's it. People think they want to show. What we see behind closed doors, I've actually heard some really good things about his workshops. And the two, three-day workshops that he runs teaching people how to he makes it so accessible to the lowest barrier entry individual coming into fitness and weightlifting and i think that's a really positive thing what his character's like you know he's out there he's very flamboyant he's in your face do you know what that's good for the weightlifting industry it it's good because it it draws people to him he's a marketable character so you know i think it's maybe i'm being a bit pc i don't know but i just think that he's we don't know enough to say whether the guy we can you have your own opinion yeah you think he's a problem at all I think he's done some great things for the industry um, what I think about him personally doesn't matter at all because I love the weightlifting sport and it's, it's I mean, amazing just to see to, how many people are accessible to it j- just to confirm I'm not 
I'm not commenting on his actual character no, or even no. his scandal. The language. The language. But it's it's the language I've an issue with and it has it is something that someone's asked me before and pretty simply I think that yeah, he's an athlete, fair enough, happy days. But in regards to some of the information he's putting out, I'm just gonna just say it straight once again, I'm not keen on it. So somebody just comes from the the circle he surrounds himself with. They're, 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 that yeah, sort of, uh, that, is, that sort of click. That is a is fair not... point. Um, the thing is, this this is the problem when you get too comfortable with living off of anecdote or experience. Is that you you get a tunnel vision, don't you? So experience experience can actually be a double edged sword sometimes. Just focusing on just being in the trenches, you're only getting anecdotal experience from that every single time. And don't get it wrong, you need that. And it is awesome and it, of course it's important, but at the end of the day, you do need to exit echo chamber. So actually, how is this working for the rest of the population? What does the science actually say? You know, this this study where it's been conducted on like a massive population with variations, etc. What does it say here about technique and pain and injury? And consider, And this is the thing. Considering the line of business someone like that is in, you'd think they would actually go away and go, well, actually, this is a big fucking deal. I need to actually look at this and see what the current evidence actually says. Always challenge. Yeah, always, always challenge. Always challenge the narrative yeah. and the comment. Never challenge the character. Yeah. Because... There you go. You can't... Precisely. You can't say... Like I said, like it does, we all have our own personal biases and opinion on people, but ultimately, if somebody says something that I think is out of line or isn't conducive to what this fitness industry is about, then I'll challenge the comment. I will never, and you'll see people on these comments and these posts going, you're such a fucking prick. I can't believe you've done this bullshit. What a knob. That's challenging the character. You're, you're, you're blind number okay, yeah. calling somebody out names. Ad hominem. Exactly. And, and this is, this isn't correct. That's not how we do business and you shouldn't do business that way. And these are the keyboard warriors. But if somebody says something and go, look, I disagree with that statement. Actually, I think... For A, B, C reasons. Yeah, for A, B, and C reasons. And here's some literature that backs up maybe some of the stuff that I do. But understanding that science is just one pillar. That... And and and, and this is what I'm saying. Like, yes, science is one pillar. We have anecdotal. We have experience. We have so many other walks that we've got to consider a scientific review telling us that, okay, well, people didn't perceive this to be pain actually in a flex spine position because they're kyphotic and their T-spine's rounded. Okay, but science says there, science says this, but when we look at weightlifting and experience and we look at some of the best lifters in the world, we actually know that to be more efficient, neutral loading, like this is what I'm talking about. And it's, and it's you look at somebody like Cyril Martin who's been in the industry for for over 60, 70 years, Cyril Martin coaches all by the eye. He doesn't use things like velocity-based training. He doesn't look at film sets, reps, and stuff like that. That would be data science-driven. He looks at everything off the, light, the eye. He's one of the best weightlifting coaches in the country, if not the best weightlifting coach in the country. So who are we to dispute somebody on that? Do you see where I'm going? And it's like, yeah, no, no, of course. It's, a, it's, it, and I, I'm in the same breath. I'm very much in the same form of mind. And the more and more I'm in this industry, the more I'm starting to see that be a fucking good human. And if you're going to challenge somebody's comment, challenge somebody's comment, but do so in a way that's, that's very professional, you're holding a higher standard. 
if you're going to challenge, challenge somebody's comment, but you're going to also challenge their character and start calling them names and everything under the sun, for me, as soon as you've done that, you've lost your argument. Mm. Lost your argument straight away. Oh, yeah, you've, yeah. Attached, no, I agree. you've attached an emotion to it and straight away yeah. mm. come out in a negative light. And for that, I'm just like, I ain't got time for that. I don't have time. Well, we've said it loads of times before on the podcast, but at the moment someone starts getting emotional, that's when you know that it needs to stop now because it's, 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 you're not going to get anywhere with it. Once it gets emotional, you're never going to get anywhere with it. If it's emotionally driven and you're attacking somebody's character, that's a you problem, not a him not, yeah. not a him or her problem. That's a you problem. You need to think. In, di- in discussions like this, or what, what I usually have, I just usually have two words to say and it usually it just... Most times... It ends the conversation there because I pick my battles, you know. However, sometimes it will surprise you and actually get a genuine answer back. And if you're in like a discussion with this and someone's making like outrageous claims, etc., and you know there's evidence saying otherwise, all you have to do is just say or ask, citation needed. And usually what happens is nothing happens from there. Maybe this why this is why people have so many problems with the likes of I'm gonna say this into Cole Feedman. Okay. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, I know you. Soul Jeedman. I hope these aren't real people because no, people Google and be like, so this poor bloke. But maybe people have a problem with him because all you'll challenge that narrative and you'll be directed straight to a paper which doesn't. You'll ask for a citation, but it's coming from his and own article. <laughs> I can understand why people would get frustrated with that. But don't then start attacking his character. Just because, mm. look, I don't, I don't like the bloke. I don't like Squat University because of that same reason. Because you will speak about or question these type of things, but the response that you'll get is, "Look at this link," and yeah, the link is blow off. their own research. It's or, or or their own anecdotal experience, which is which is also fine. Which is also fine for somebody that's been in the industry that long. That's okay, but. Yeah. Again, we're challenging somebody's comment. We're not challenging their character. That's the difference. And that's how you hold yourself in a higher regard in this industry. Just don't be a dick. It's as simple as that. If you're, yeah. And whether whatever we think about, whatever anybody thinks about Sonny, he's done great things for the industry. And yes, his language might be a little bit reductionist and a little bit elitist to a degree, which is probably right. Biomechanical perfectionism. Okay. In the same breath, Maybe if you, if, if we all, anybody, anybody that looks at him, just take away your emotional attachment to it and just say, Sonny, can I just ask why you think that that is such an important component? And you may be surprised because he maybe he messaged you back. Maybe you might say, this is the reason I've done this because I've been taught for the past 20 years working with these elite lifters, being surrounded by so many different people. That's okay because that's anecdotal and he's had, he's had time in the game. This is going to be interesting now when we go on to the next part where you said there all the time. So if we go on to what the actual request was, we've gone absolutely off, off tangents there. Um, but um, So if we look at Tricky Ricky first then, so we spoke a lot about Sunny Web, so we'll come on to Tricky Ricky. So the request was spe- specifically about the hang snatch versus the full snatch, right? So this there's a really recent post that Tricky Ricky done um, and he... He did basically a post on the hang snatch. I just want to clarify before we get into that. There are a lot of different variations of the hang snatch. So like you could do like a really low hang, you could do a really high hang. Um, it, 
different variants. When we say hang, it's just general hang. There's, there's different reasons why you do different ones, which we'll probably come on to anyway. Um, but he his post, and I'm basically going to read what he put on the post. So for beginners, the abbreviated movement reduces the complications and allow us to drill proper positioning and balance. For advanced athletes, it does all of that and develops greater force production, puts emphasis on aggressive extension and improves pulling under the bar into the catch. Um we often hit five to eight sets of three reps between 65 and 75%, so we can pick on areas to improve without the worry of very heavy loads. This session, we hit five by one at 85% of the max snatch to help strengthen positions and extension. You then finished with choose loads that enable you to learn and grow, practice them long enough and consistently enough to improve, go heavy after a given period to see what results your work has achieved. So Dean, would you say any issues what's being said there in regards to the application of the hang snatch? I don't think so. I think he's come at it from quite a balanced perspective. He's given some context um, and he's not given any absolutes. He's not given any absolutes at all. He said if, he said try. So again, if somebody's attached their emotion to that, mm-hmm. are you attaching an emotion because some... I, what, what was the, what's the question? What so I, I I don't see any problems with that, but maybe we can unpack the comment a bit more. So basically, what it was was you've got him tricky Ricky in a crossfit situation. Yeah, he's saying that about the hang snatch and it's really useful. But then we've got Sonny Webster on the other hand, who apparently I, I couldn't find much concrete. But when you actually do look, it doesn't seem like he does much of it. But is that he doesn't really coach the hang snatch in his program? So like if you look at his actual program, apparently he doesn't really use. It's not really there from Sonny Webster. So obviously you've got Sonny Webster, who's an Olympic weightlifter. So you'd say he's probably more of an authority if you look at it from that point of view. And he doesn't do it. And then you've obviously got a guy in the CrossFit scene is saying, yeah, this is good. We do it for this X, Y, and Z. So the question was, you know, which one is better? Should we even bother with the hang snatch? Uh, Can I just they went on to then s- jump in here. When you say with, with programming in regards to Sonny, do you mean programming as in like he doesn't program it for himself or program it for his companies, well, businesses? I think, I think with the way they were saying it was in general, it's anyone for his, in his anyone. Okay, themselves. Okay. Sorry, carry yeah. on. And then when, you, when you look on his actual academy Instagram page, he normally puts a lot of workouts on there, like a page. And I looked through loads of them just to see and there was not a single hang snatch in any of them. Um, I was trying really hard to find something just so I could sort of back up a little. But... Then they added on to their um, comment was that you then see people who can hang snatch more than they can full snatch, um, especially in a CrossFit scene. He goes, obviously, that's a bit of an issue because then I read a comment online saying, I mean, at the end of the day, you compete with a full snatch, not a hang snatch. A hang snatch could be helpful in making your snatch better, but you really don't want to, uh, you don't need to worry about making it better than your full snatch. Which I suppose makes sense in a, in a weightlifting situation. Anyway, you don't, you don't want to have a massive hang snatch really do you, compared to your normal snatch. So they're both right. Yeah, okay. Oh, okay. Right, okay. And yep. the semantics around the argument is that they are both right and they both have application. Starting from the floor for somebody who is new to the weight. So in weightlifting, in the BWL model, we start from the top down. Take the snatch, for example. With a snatch, we'll start from an overhead position, but we'll actually start, we'll, we'll literally get into the grips of where the bar path should be over the back of the crown of the head, we'd start building that position. We'd build that path of the bar. We'd then build potentially some drop snatches, some tall snatches, uh, sorry, tall drop snatches. You might start to snatch balances. These are the movements you start to build. So naturally, the next progression on this line would then be to go from a hang position. Now, you say there are loads of hang positions. There is really only two. It's mid-thigh, and it's probably below the knee. 
they're the key positions for us. These are the key. So we've got mid thigh max extension being up max extension. So go on. Do you want to ask something? No, I was just going to say you said I mean, you said those are the two main ones, but sometimes you'll get people doing it like where they have no hang pretty much. Do we know like the high hang? And they'll go to like mid thigh, then they'll go to just above the knee, just below the knee, just above the floor. But you know, they're, they're really they breaking should be it down. used. They should be used in a technical capacity. When we're talking about yeah, the okay. high hang, as in yeah. from almost your your the best way to describe it is you're in like a quarter squat position. What yeah. used to be referred to as the power position, okay, mm-hmm. which doesn't really exist in the BWR model anymore. But going from that position and extending is a technical drill. It's not something that will be programmed at 70%. It, yeah. Because, so, and this is why I'm saying it's it's on both sides of the fence. So, on Sonny's side, teaching the drill from, and he would have taught top down, and then when they start adding load and they've built the competency, they would go from the floor. Because that's the pattern of movement that needs to be rehearsed for Olympic weightlifting. With Tricky Ricky, in workouts that are functional fitness orientated, hang snatches will make their way into many functional fitness barbell cycling movements. So this is why I say both have their precedence. Now, yes, I absolutely agree with what Tricky Ricky said. Starting from the hang position helps people before we add another level of complexity from the mid-thigh down to the floor. Remember that starting from the hang, we're reducing the amount of movement and range that we're going through with a snatch. So starting from a hang position might be a fantastic drill, a drill for a lot of people to rehearse to actually understand what it means to have the scaps pinned back and down or the shoulders pinned back and down to make sure the lats are engaged, to make sure that we have long levers, but the arms aren't loose, they're long. Okay, it might be a helpful movement to get people to understand going from a hang position to a max extension position, where in in essence, the best way I can describe it, we're as tall as we can possibly be. We're up on the toes, the hips are engaged, and we're going through what a technique I like to call is scarecrow elbows, where we're in that max extension position and the elbows are up. You're imagining you're a scarecrow stuck in a field. This is drawing the elbows back. So I can understand the concept of why a hang snatch would be used. And I use hang snatches to help people understand what that patterns of movement, but where they are done very much depends on the athlete and where they should be programmed. It shouldn't be an argument of which one is best because they both have equal value and they're both warranted in weightlifting. It's just when they are programmed at certain times. I mean, they're different environments, Dean, aren't they? You've got weightlifters and CrossFit, as you just said there, are weight, you know, it's a different specificity. Yeah. As you said, in a, in a CrossFit workout, you might get a hang snatch within a part of a complex. In weightlifting, you're never going to do that. So that's that's why you can imagine from Sonny's point of view, why if he if he's not if he's not concerned about his athletes doing hang, why is he going to focus on it? Whereas obviously Tricky Rick and Evan, he has got that thing where it could be in a workout. So he's got to make sure his athletes can do what they are required of. Um, so I think it's just they're two different sports, aren't they? Really, they're just one of them's got a bit of a element. Isn't it? I've seen Sonny Webster do hang snatches within his complex. Yeah, I've seen. Yeah, within yeah, I've his seen, complex, yeah. his, his coach used to coach him for him. So it maybe, but that may be just his philosophy. And this is what I'm saying: like we're attacking. We're attacking somebody's principles of how they program the weightlifting derivatives and the movements themselves. 
And if if somebody sees success with starting from the floor and going through those positions, we're doing snatch liftoffs, we're going through snatch uh, snatch group deadlift, we're doing three position pauses. If that's starting from the floor every single time, then that's great because guess what Sonny Webster's doing? He is getting these athletes to rehearse what they full snatch should look like from the floor. And all he's doing is building up that motor pan every single time. Rehearsing, rehearsing, rehearsing. Tricky Ricky, Rick, Richard on the other hand, he is also doing the same thing. But remember the demographic of people he might be dealing with. He might be dealing with somebody who doesn't have the capacity to be able to get into that low position or hasn't built up the motor pathways or motor patterns to get to that position. That's fine. That's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. But then I'd argue, should they really be throwing a bar then overhead if they haven't got that capacity? Maybe, maybe not. But we don't know because we're not in his environment. We're not with the people that he's coaching. We can only assume from the CrossFit boxes that we've been to. And we found, actually, hang snatches can be really useful. But they are a tool in your toolbox that is something you go to when you're trying to develop technique. And this is what I'm saying. If your hang snatch then surpasses your power snatch, I would then suggest maybe you need to spend a lot more time Building patterns from the floor, understanding the pattern from start position up to your mid thigh, building that movement, because that's where we're going from here. We're going from mid thigh to overhead in a hang, or we're going from the floor to the mid thigh. So maybe you need to build that pattern. So it goes back. It's just different coaches, isn't it? It's just it's just different coaches, isn't it? They're not what it's very unlikely you'll find a coach who do things as so the what's exact the same. Obviously, there's, there's... which one is right. Because none of them are right. I just they're both- yeah, exactly. That's what I'm saying. That's this is what we want. This is what we were trying to find out. Because when I saw it, I was like, "This is really." That's why I wanted to get you on, Dean. Because like, this is quite a different one. To, it's, it's not black and white at all, is it's it? It's not. The, but nothing. They're two different coaches, two different sports, two different demographics. You know, it's, it's carnage. <laughs> it's heavily context nothing, dependent. Exactly. Nothing is black and white. I could have, I could have both of you in my sanctuary tomorrow in the Gary sanctuary, and we could be going through snatching, clean, and jerk. Mm. Bill, you might have a beautiful beautiful snatch we might find that your start position to above the knee maybe there's a bit of tension being lost maybe we're not quite set up maybe we're seeing that the armpits are actually behind the bar they're not over the bar or maybe the shoulders are behind the bar sorry and the armpits aren't quite in the right position maybe we're seeing that there is an early arm bend and we're lacking we're losing power we're losing efficiency in that movement Tom, on the other hand, just is in his start position, his ass just might be straight up in the air. But I'm seeing that as soon as he passes his knee, he's actually got quite a good hang position. His arms are still loose. It's not loose, but they're still long. His scaps and lats are pinned back and down. He's nice and tight. His head's up, his chest is tall. But he's just losing that start position. So maybe we could spend a little bit of time going to start position. He doesn't get it. It's okay. Let's see what it's like from the hang. Maybe today we're just going to develop that position. Just see if we can get the speed and turn over the bar. It depends on the context. It depends what I'm trying to do. So it's no right or wrong. It's just another tool in the toolbox. And for a certain objective or for a certain person, you might have to bring out the tool for that person. I'll give you then an example that- of why I would use a hang snatch. A hang snatch is great because it straight away, as soon as you've, as soon as you've bought the bar up to your top position, before max extension, top position, you're stood tall. Before you've started that, there is already tension created. You're already in, you're already engaged. The neuromuscular system has already started 
its pathway. It's already got these responses going and everything's going, right, okay, I'm ready to throw the bar. Okay, straight away. So if I was going to teach somebody the hang snatch, the hang snatch would be a great alternative where we may be seeing somebody have an early arm bend just as they come past the knee or before the knee perhaps. But equally, it might be because they're not reaching max extension. So I want to try and teach them and rehearse that pattern. But in the same breath, we might teach or use the hang snatch when we're looking at speed, turnover, and we're actually looking at the receive and catch position. The receive position being in the bottom of that overhead squat. And maybe we're trying to rehearse that dynamic pattern, but it will be a tool that we'll use. I'm not going to get them in my, in my principles. I won't get somebody to go up to 95% and hundred percent and start maxing on that. I don't need to know that information. That's, that's all I'm going to do is use it as a technical, um, a technical intervention that will allow me in a block of training to then go back to the snatch with a full snatch. The full snatch is something with every lifter that I work with is programmed once a week, non-negotiable. They will do full snatches and they will work up to certain percentages. A hang snatch might be something that would be based on a power day whereby we're trying to build that position or we're using blocks because we're trying to build those positions. So they're both right. It only depends on two things. It depends on the athlete where they're currently at and then it depends on the goal what is the intent hopefully that answered your question tony we have uh, we've gone some, some depth there it was good it was good it's an interesting one as you said it's, it's not black and white so i think it definitely needed we, to we, be we've given tony the old it depends yeah, we've got, yeah that, that old chestnut yeah but it depends even to even um even tricky ricky and sunny webster will probably say the same thing they will probably sit yeah. there and go why when would you use the hang snatch and they would go Mm, it depends. It depends on the athlete. It really does depend on the athlete. Do you know what? It's a, a lot of time people think that it's just getting fobbed off with the answer. It depends. But the thing is, it, it really does. It depends. The thing is, we all have different levels, not just in regards to our strength, our fitness, but also our technical level as well. You know, so, you know... <laughs> it, it really does depend. It's, it's not a right or wrong. It's just, look, it's a different tool for a, for, for, for a different job basically. Yeah. And if somebody ever does come out with an absolute that says, right, you have got to do a hang snatch to get better at your snatches. If somebody comes out with an absolute, then maybe challenge that bias. And that's good. Well, hang on a minute. That's not actually the case because it would depend on the athlete. Da -da 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 -da. So it goes back to that thing. Context, context is king. It's absolutely king. Yeah. There's, there's no magic bullet here. It's like, oh, this is with everything in health and fitness. Health yeah. and fitness, there are no absolutes. You will find this with... Uh, Other than the fact that steroids are probably going to fuck you up. That's an absolute. In fact, steroids will fuck you up if you keep taking them. That probably, <laughs> that's probably an absolute. Dane. Dane, that, that sounds very emotional. Um, but no, that's <laughs> what I'm saying. That could, that's an example of somebody saying an absolute, yeah. where we know actually everything's telling us that the use of anabolic steroids, for example are going to have adverse effects on your health. However, However, caveat that, it might sort out my elongated balls problem. <laughs> it could do, and it would stop them sticking to the chair. So it actually, it could be... In, so here's what I'm saying. In context, it could actually... It depends. <laughs> it could shrink God, them and stop them sticking to the chair. 
How do we get back to your balls again, Tom? Jesus well, Christ. Uh, you see what I'm trying to say? We've downgraded from this to this. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe he's got sizes. It's unbelievable. It's like, it, it's like he's prepared this, isn't but it? What I'm, this is, it? I think it goes back to it, doesn't it? Like What we're saying here is that it, anything in health and fitness, absolutes do need to be challenged. And yes, there may be the odd one or two absolutes, but quite often there isn't. Because what, what, what works for one person will not mm. always work for the other. I'll always take the athlete as face value. Whether it's one-to-one or it's online, I will take the athlete as I see them. And if there is something that I can improve and the hang snatch plays its part, I will use it. If it's not necessary, necessary at that time, it won't be used, but it may come up as a technical move or a, or a, it could come up as a higher percentage move later on down the line. But again, it's what you see, what's in front of you. And if Richard in his, in CrossFit Gritstone is noticing that the hang snatch is a really useful tool for his athletes and everybody else between him, then that's great. That's good for him to do that because that's helping his population. But in the same breath, I guarantee that he would turn around and say, well, it depends because my athletes do full snatch as well. Okay, guy. If we go on to the the last part, then so we've we've answered these requests there, which I'm happy. I think we've done really we've done really well with that. Um, I wanted to add this little bit on the end about the power snatch. So now the power snatch is obviously another variation of the snatch. Um, for those who aren't aware, it's you would do the snatch, but instead of finishing in an overhead squat position, you'll basically finish with your sort of you'll be above parallel, so to put it in the squat position. Yeah, that'd be a power snatch. So what I want to know, really, guys, is what what do we think of it? Um, in a an Olympic lifting environment, is it needed? Because if we look at CrossFit on the other side, you see it a lot from a lot of the athletes. They're doing it either because it's prescribed in the workout, or because they haven't got the mobility yet to do the full squats. So they just always power it uh, because that's because that's all they can do. That's all they, they ever do. They don't have enough time to work on the full depth, so they end up just doing power all the time. Um, so really, is it something that in CrossFit I understand why it's there because it is sometimes it's, it's in the workouts, but in, in Olympic lifting. Is it needed? Like, for example, you, Dean, you're, you're obviously being coached by someone to do weightlifting. Um, do you see power, does power snatch come up a lot often? I, I would say, when when is it normally used? Maybe on a lighter load day or something? Or? Uh, often on a power-based day. Uh, power, okay. Yeah. yeah, so for me, for example, this is stuff I've taken off my mentors over the years. Normally, generally tend to focus on a clean-based day. We'll look at snatch derivatives. We'll go power-based day, and then we'll focus on the full lift. So there's a four-day type of program. So... Saturday, Friday or Saturday will quite often be a day of the full lift, whether it's the snatch, normally it starts with a snatch and then it goes a clean jerk. Power snatches are used in the Olympic lifting environment because what they do is they teach turnover speed. They teach turnover speed. They help people understand what it really is and means to get into a maximum, maximal extended position. That max position, max extension position which is one of the key positions that we teach in the BWL model is something that is rehearsed time and time again. And when we are catching in a power position, this is something that is allowing us to rehearse this pattern over and over again. So it plays its part in Olympic weightlifting for that purpose, for a number of other reasons as well. But for that purpose, um, it can help maybe mitigate some volume, perhaps. Mm, yeah. Mm. Where if you've got sore legs. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> 
And you'll often see people that will do power snatches and they won't finish the full lift because they might be cycling. Yeah, they don't. They might be yeah, doing. Yeah, yeah. They might have, for example, five sets of two to four reps. They'll do a power snatch. They won't fully stand it up because they know they've caught the bar. They'll drop it back down because, again, that's it's 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 reducing the volume that's going through their legs. So it is. It does play its part in Olympic weightlifting. Yeah, I, awesome. yeah. I, I thought I thought so. But I was going to be interested to hear from from your point of view, especially because you know I'm not, I'm not on a, a weightlifting program, so I wouldn't know what's you know 100 percent in there. But on the other side of the with the CrossFit situation, what do you do? You think that comes down to a coach's responsibility? Because you do see it a lot in classes where people just cannot get into the depth, so they just always power snatch because and they just sometimes they just they just don't want <laughs> to work on it. Because let's be honest, it does take time to work on things like that. And if people haven't got the time, they'll just power snatch all the time. And I th- you know it's yeah we. We're a population in the UK, um, you know, in this westernised culture, should we say. Um, we're a population that is generally poor overhead. Generally. That's not an absolute. It's a generalist term. Generally, we're pretty shit in the bottom position of a snatch or an overhead squat. So in a CrossFit setting, I go back to that saying. If it's safe and efficient and somebody can use a power snatch and it's a low barrier entry for them to do the sport of CrossFit itself, mm-hmm. there's nothing wrong with using it. If somebody is unwilling, the most I don't, I've never come across somebody that's unwilling to learn more and have their snap, their technique critiqued, and they want to learn and develop. Most, nearly everybody in that community kind of is that way. You know, they're very much I want to learn yeah, yeah. more. Yeah. But if I've got somebody who is a 65 year old male or female, and they can actually power snatch or hang power snatch, and it looks you know, it look it looks safe. They're not doing themselves any harm. Uh, the load's light enough that it's controlled. Um, there might be a cycling variation, but it's safe and effective. They're getting the point of the workout. And the biggest thing is they're walking out of that class with a bloody smile on their face because they've been involved in a workout and I've not given them a kettlebell to use for kettlebell swings because it's a lower barrier. Then I've done my job as a coach to make somebody else feel better providing providing it's not at the detriment to any other facet of their health wellness and vitality you've made them realize actually i'm not vulnerable and yeah it just comes back to it doesn't it like and this challenge in that language as we have to challenge that language as a coach as well i'm not going to say you're not doing that because it looks you look crap i'm first of all going to go over and see if i can give them an even even an internal or external cue to help solve that issue if it's solved fantastic if it's not then there are a number of other steps I would take on that ladder before I'd remove yeah. them from it. Reducing the weight, changing the movement scale, changing yeah. the range in which we're going through. You know, there's changing the bar that we're using. There are a number of different things that we can go through before I blanket turn around and go, stop, I'm not giving you a bar. Go and use a kettlebell. Yeah. yeah. Because that that's going to leave them feeling pretty shit about themselves when they're walking not worthy going i wish coach didn't didn't give me that russian bloody kettlebell swing tonight i really wish i was able to do that snatch and they're just going to go home and be deflated your job as a personal trainer as a coach is to make that person move better feel better be the best version of themselves be the best version of themselves but it's not at the detriment of them feeling shit about themselves Okay, guys, we move on to the, the final part of this episode then. What I sort to do that, Tommy, for the few, Tom, this might be quite interesting. We'll see what you say. But basically, I was going to say, we'll go around. We'll Motherfucker. give our. Fucker. You're a, fucking a digging in tonight, no, no, you can. I'm not. 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 I'm not.
You'll know why after I say it. I said, basically, what I said, we're all going to give our a tip for the snatch. Now, so I'll start with myself then, give Tom some time to think, because he's never snatched his life. Um, I'm quickly Googling now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. uh, you, might, you might be a bit surprised that you find if you giggle snatch, mate. Um, squat you, top five steps. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> Digger. Um, anyway, oh, I would say with my, my tip would be is um, be, be patient, I'd say, simply because... I, I think it's one of those lists where you've got to be patient. Don't be too hard on yourself. Like you, Dean, how many years have you spent weightlifting? And I bet you still parts of your snatch, which you are annoyed at or that you're not happy with. And you've been doing it for years. I am shit. That's what I'm saying. You've been doing it for I years and it's you're still, yeah, that's what I mean. So I think patience is probably is, is key. I think you've got to accept the process. You said three hours on a PVC pipe might be frustrating, but you've, you've, got to, you've got to have that patience because it's a technical beast, as we said at the start. And I think if you're someone who hasn't got, uh, you know, is very impatient um, and you expect to be able to snatch, you know, perfect snatch in a week, then you're going to be, um, you're going to be surprised, I'd say. So that's what I'd say, patience. We're coming to you, Dave. We'll, we'll give Tom more time to I'll think. Probably, you, <laughs> um, you kind of took one right at my mouth there, so I'll try and give you a oh, different one. Um, yeah. Patience, yeah, probably top of the list. Uh, patience. Yeah. I would then say if you are truly invested or interested at getting better at weightlifting, find someone who makes you feel good when doing weightlifting and has the credentials to help you get better. And that's not knocking. If you've got the financial availability, you've got the barriers. If if you are truly invested in getting better at weightlifting maybe find a coach that can re- that can help you um but i'm talking about face to face here online weightlifting Difficult. it's not good it's it's not a great place i've got to try and say this without being absolute and biased it's not the best place for beginners to start with weightlifting mm. there are so many technicalities and nuances with the lift you need to maybe look at your local area because there will be one There'll be a local weightlifting club around there. And even if you commit to maybe four sessions, go once per week, um, you will see great value, amazing value and benefit from just working in that weightlifting environment for an hour session. You will see how incredible that atmosphere really is because you get to see what great Olympic lifting looks like because you've been subject to great, because you've been subject to Olympic lifting in a CrossFit box even the top crossfitters that weightlift still have a lot, a lot of intricate details need to be ironed out. A lot of small working parts that aren't quite right. And you can always, and weightlifters will say this to you, a coach will always say, they'll always tell the difference between somebody who's weightlifted as an Olympic weightlifter and somebody who's crossfitter and then gone into an Olympic weightlifting. So when it comes to getting better, why not try and immerse yourself in an environment that is the best for it? And that's not to say that CrossFit isn't good for it. But what I'm saying is if you can take something away from maybe just a month, maybe a couple of months subscription to a, to a weightlifting gym just once a week, if you've got that, yeah. you will see so much value in working with those people because they're a font of knowledge. They really are a font of knowledge. And, and you'll probably take a lot from that working with a weightlifting coach and okay you might have a crossfit gym that has somebody that's a bwl level one coach or a level two coach but understand even then it's quite a low barrier now to get to become a level two weightlifting coach it's quite a low barrier although it's a little bit more than the level one crossfit coach it's still quite a low barrier 
as you're saying, the best thing to be to do is to immerse yourself into a proper weightlifting environment. Go into a weightlifting you know, environment. That, Go into a yeah, weightlifting environment. Yeah. Even, even as you said, even if it's only for a short time, you, don't, you haven't got to sign up to a 12-month package. You could just go in there for a few weeks, once a week for a month, just to be like, okay, I want to get a good feel for it. And they could leave you in a good place. It would be such an... Uh, it would be, honestly, it would be an amazing experience. If you're invested in functional fitness, oh, you invested in fucking sport. Fucking... Functional. <laughs> Sorry, second. Dave. Tom's just you know what this is Tom's popping smoke because he realised he's next on the tip and he's like how do I get out of this how do I get out of this just throw the <laughs> fucking laptop halfway across the fucking room <laughs> but yeah it goes back to that yes, if you can immerse yourself in that environment you'll do a really you'll really well. mm. good job for yourself you'll, that's a, that's like a good deed that you can do for learning yeah, nice. learning all of this nice so we've got we've got patience and we've got immerse yourself into a weightless environment with a with a great coach yeah. uh, tom talk to us what's your um, what's your tip for the snatch um i mean i'll be honest with you i'm pretty much gonna <laughs> mimic what dean kind of said that's not me cheating or banging out here but well, no, what what... Tell you can't you can't just say what he said that's bullshit that's no no what i was gonna say from what? the heart so give yourself from somebody heart, who though. doesn't like misinformation Maybe there's a balance here. Maybe we have. Maybe he has to try and give something, and if we disagree, we'll call him out. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck, you know, I've not even got a broomstick. I was, I was a joke. I was going to get a broomstick and say, just try a broomstick. Why haven't got a fucking broomstick? The cat said that <laughs> away as well. Um, but no, honest to God, like one thing I would say is that yeah, we've said it's a technical movement several times now, but don't let perfectionism or the fear of doing it wrong stop you from even getting to the first barrier. Or the first I said, expect hurdle. to be shit. When you first get in, expect to be useless. Because yeah. it's so fu- fuck me, but it's, you're going to be shit for ages. Not for fucking ages, you're going to be shit. You'd be surprised <laughs> in a weightlifting gym how quickly you would have your hands on a bar. Yeah, you'd be very that, surprised, and, and that exactly that. Not, that's because they know most people can handle a trainer bar at 15 kilos, a 10 kilo trainer bar, yeah. or a 20 kilo bar. That's an Olympic lifting bar. They know that, so they will load changes the ball game then you put a load on there fucking your technical you movement you be surprised you will not be spending hours with a PVC bike yeah. and dowel but know that that will be a lot of homework at the end of the day you are capable if you're hungry for it you know go for it at the end of the day the thing is I mean I want to quickly rewind all the way back to our earlier discussion about technique and injury etc and stuff like that and this is one of the reasons why I do have such a big issue with people that create fear mongering behind not not about technique and its relationship to efficiency by instantly linking technique to pain and injury when someone is new to a particular exercise and it comes to their form and their technique what do you think that new person is more worried about are they worried about their technique and form because they're not worried about being efficient or do you think they're more worried because they're thinking they're going to inherently hurt themselves what is the biggest barrier there most new people it's about "I'm, i'm afraid of hurting myself or doing my, or putting my back out. It's nothing to do with I'm, I'm worried about not being able to lift heavy on my first go. So once again, this is why, you know, don't feel you have to be perfect the first time you get into it. As long as you're starting with a light load, and you know what? Fuck's sake, I'm going to say it now, Dean. Earning that right to progress. And you know what? Actually, in hindsight, there's nothing wrong with saying earning the right to progress through load. That's fine. But it's earning the right to just move in general even if it's with like a stick yeah you have to earn the right you have to earn the right to squat never but earn the right to load is a completely different earn the right to load is a completely different thing two different things yeah so you know you already have the right to go to a workshop or a crossfit box and start from day one you've 
you don't have to earn the right to do that. Just go there. However, earning the right to load, completely different thing. So don't worry about it if you're going to be a bit wonky on your first day because you're not going to be loading heavy. You know, you're not going to be going above that right just yet. So yeah, just the, my, my, my best piece of advice is just not to fear it and just to fucking do it. Yeah, I like it. Yeah. Just do it. We actually, that's a good tip, Tom. There you go. You pulled out the back. That's a good tip. Don't, don't, be scared, don't be scared of the snatch. Bill, I don't know if I can do some plug in here, mate. If anybody, because I'm assuming you've got, how big is your military community that watches this? Quite big. Oh, there's quite a few. I want to say there's quite there. a few military listening to this. Yeah, we have quite a lot of military. If anybody is military listening to this and- oh, Okay, I know they, what you're going to say. Yeah. They want to have something along a weightlifting, if they want a weightlifting workshop held within their units, whatever it might be, get in touch with either myself or somebody, one of the coaches from the British Army weightlifting team, because there's a lot of regional workshops going on at the moment. Yeah. But equally, we're traveling to some units to deliver workshops as well. Um, It can't be for everybody. Of course it can't, because there are logistical things, but there may be some opportunity for, for people to reach out. The second one I would say, um, be careful of what you do watch on YouTube. Be careful. There are some great weightlifting tube channels out there. As an example, Zach Tallender has got one. ZT, he's actually, he's he's got some really good stuff on there. And he is so invested in the sport of weightlifting. I've seen his journey through his YouTube career. He's, he's a really, really, he might not be the most technical proficient. He knows that. But he's got some great content, which might just help you understand some stuff around weightlifting. Not from a technical capacity, but it will certainly help you build an understanding about why these things might be important. You know, YouTube channels like that. It's a mixed bag. It is a mixed bag and it's about finding things, but hopefully that's something. Contact us. Zach Tellinger was one of the people I had in my mind when I was thinking about it. Yeah, you know, and it's, yes, it's very, they've got, he's got a very, a very American model, of course, but is, is there anything wrong with the education that he's putting out? No, because it's a good starting point for people that might be interested in just understanding a bit more around weightlifting. I mean, if I had time, I'd probably do it myself, but I'm not as good looking, I'm not as tall, and I don't have a cool accent. So, And that is uh, Chatting Snatch with Coach Dean Hammond. What an episode. The, uh, Bill, blah, I've noticed all throughout this episode, all these little <laughs> euphemisms you've been throwing in, and uh, I- I'm not happy with it. I'm not happy with it. Yeah. This is a Christian podcast, and it's Chat, absolutely snatch. out of order. When did it become a Christian podcast? You said it's a few times now. When did we do? <laughs> I just assumed. <laughs> you just assumed. You just, well, silly. Anyway, well, I think uh, we'll call it there, guys. We're going for about 90 minutes. It's been a really good episode. I just want to quickly echo one more thing that Dean just said there. If you are a military listener, you are interested in that weightlifting stuff, uh, get in touch with any of us. Our Instagram's been a bar. I can point you to the right uh, places. Since uh, weightlifting became a sport in the army, funny enough, it's only recently just become an actual official sport. There's been loads of these workshops up and down the country. They've looked really good from what I've seen anyway. And obviously, you've got people like D- Dean, you know, taking these workshops and you're going to get great coaching. It is it is well worth it. It is well worth it. Even if you only attend, you know, just one, at the end of the day, it's, it's like that thing, you know, instead of just having a fish for a day, you get you, you get a fishing net and you have it for the rest of your life. Just by going to one workshop, you're setting yourself up to getting over that first hurdle. Definitely do it. I'll say one more thing as well. Weightlifting is not just for weightlifting. Mm. From a strength and conditioning perspective, it holds so many transferable skills, particularly when we look at power and speed, particularly when we look at exerting force and rate of force development, um, the crossover that we have with these patterns of movement 
that we can then look at from a sports performance perspective, whether you're a whatever team sport you're involved in, rugby, hockey, football, basketball, all of these sports which require you to move explosively, powerfully, at speed, with force, and then be able to do the skill part of your game as well. Weightlifting is, in every single strength and conditioning handbook, the clean makes its way. Oh, the and clean, yeah. It's in the army it, as well, isn't it? It's, a, it's, it's, a huge part, it's yeah. everywhere. It's, so even if it's to come one of the workshops and just improve your performance on the rugby pitch or even if it's to come to even if it's to reach I don't know reach out to me for example and you want to send me a video and you want me to have a look there's only so much we can do but maybe it might just give you a little bit of a nook to to change something perhaps if it's going to improve your performance it's going to help you move better on on and off the field it's going to allow you to become the best athlete that you can be not just for weightlifting maybe it is just for your sport reach out because you'll be surprised how much you can you can take away. Yeah, nice. Um, all right, guys, it's been a pleasure as always, and I'll uh, speak to you all again very, very soon. Thank you very much for See having See you later, guys. Absolute pleasure. Take care. As always, thanks for listening. Thanks again to Tony for sending in that request. It certainly did make for a great discussion. And remember, if you want us to answer any of your questions, then please get in touch via email or just drop us a DM on Instagram and we'll get on it, provided we can obviously actually answer the question. Just a reminder as well that if you want the brand new Primal Essential training tee, then head over to trainprimal.co slash shop and use code CSGF10 to get 10% off your order. Thanks again for the support and we will see you next week, same time, same place for a brand new episode. See you soon.